Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. Got Elliot, my co-host, Graybeard, the Ducktator, the man of many names. How you doing tonight, Elliot? I am doing great. Ready to talk some waterfowling this midweek. It's like a little break of happiness in the middle of the week to talk to you and just talk ducks. Talked to Chasing Green last night for about a half an hour about ducks. And at the end of end of the phone call, he's like, oh, man. He's like, thanks so much for giving me the time. I'm like, it's not a favor. We're talking about duck hunting. It's like you did me a favor. <laughs> Heck, yeah. <laughs> definitely uh, definitely agree with you on that. And our guest for tonight is going to be Motion Duck Decoy uh, Spreader. And last time, last year, we had Ben on. But this year, we're having Tom as dad. So I'm um, definitely excited for that and, you know, hearing a little bit about um, the the Pacific coast and, you know, and, and the motion duck decoy product. So, uh, definitely going to be a, a cool episode and looking forward to it. Yes. Yeah, so let, let me ask you it, it, it first thought that comes to your mind, one state to go and hunt that you haven't hunted before. What would it be? Hawaii. They don't have ducks in Hawaii. That's a bad choice. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, one state. I mean, I think you're wanting me to say Washington, but uh, no, I'm not. I'm not wanting you to. I just it's rising up my list, so I was just curious. It was what your thoughts were. Yeah, I'd say like the bottom of my list is probably Nebraska, um, but uh, top <laughs> top is uh, um, Washington. Washington's definitely the top on there. Um, and th- if I had a top five, I think that's the easiest way to do it. I want to hunt Washington. I want to hunt Arkansas. I want to hunt. Um, I want to hunt Montana, which is a, probably a weird one for most people. Um, and man, well now now I'm I'm getting in trouble because I can't think of two more. Uh, <laughs> I'll just do my top three then. Those are my top three. I'm, I'm yeah. probably leaving out some big names, um, but definitely not Nebraska, just because I don't want to see Matt. <laughs> Actually, my number one I think would be Montana. I watched uh, Ducks Unlimited episode. This was years ago, and they were hunting. It was like this little stream that fed into this little marshy pool with huge mountains in the background and no one else was around and they pounded the mallards over it. And after I saw that, I was like, I would love to hunt these, those little streams where they shoot mallards in Montana. It just looks so epic. Mm-hmm. Um, Alaska would certainly be on my list, but I'm not dying to go up to Alaska and shoot a bunch <laughs> of golden eyes, which when I watch Alaska videos, I, you know, you see that they, they shoot some of the more, you know, the, the, the ducks they're after, which are what, like the Harlequin and stuff like that. But it's a big bags of golden eye. But anyway, it's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, That's sea on my duck hunt. For me, it's like a, a sea duck hunt, a Montana stream hunt, a timber hunt, uh hunt. Maybe you know, like the Salt Lakes is raising on my list too. I've seen more and more episodes on the Salt Lakes and, and you or the Great Salt Lake. Yeah. And that would be, that looks pretty epic in an airboat. That would be super fun. Yeah, we need to get someone on, like a a guide at the Great Salt Lake, and talk to him, or even like a just find like maybe the local DU guy around there or something. That would be fascinating. Yeah, no, it would be a good one. Um, but yeah, I just want to I just want to clarify so people don't think I'm a jerk. Matt's a jerk because he jerk. called me on Discord 
like five out of the last six podcasts, and then I have to go back and edit it out. And so, Matt, if you're listening to this, which you probably are, I just, I just literally, I, I right clicked on your name and I pushed remove friends. So take that. <laughs> so, what if there was just like a master button that you could hit <laughs> on your phone that removed that person and like deleted your contact out of their phone? And and you could send them a personal message like you have literally been unfriended, yes, not yeah, you know, not just perfect. social media. It's like gone. Yeah. So I'm a little. Annoyed. <laughs> we wouldn't do that to Matt. But. I'm overreacting, but I'm a little annoyed because he knows that we record the podcast on Wednesday night, and then he's got to he's got to interrupt it. So um, that makes more work for me. <laughs> I think it's payback for the for the race to 10k. Yeah, that that he's that better. reminds me. Um, I I actually mentioned it a few times on here. So thank you for everybody who went to the channel and subscribed. If you didn't, well, you missed out being part of the greatest 10K race ever. Um, but it's not too late because <laughs> um, I'm announcing it now. But we are racing to 20K. He's challenged me again. So I don't know why. I guess he's just a glutton for punishment. But um, now we're, we're racing- talking subscribers on YouTube. Yeah, we're- I'm sure everyone knows. But Yeah. yeah. So now we're racing to 20K. Um, so I'm ready for a beatdown 2.0. That was an unbelievable race to 10,000 subs because Matt was winning. And then there was like, what, three lead changes, four lead changes? Yeah, there's three or four. So, like, the timeline, it'd be really interesting to see, like, you know, how, like, you've seen, like, timelines where it's, like, shows, like, per month or whatever, the subscribers kind of changing back and forth. So, if we got anybody, you know, that's skilled like that, cough, cough, Tim Tim Cochran, um, and can put something like that together. Then uh, that'd be cool to see. So, but like you said, yeah, it started out when we first made the challenge last year. Uh, he was at five k. He just hit five k, and I pretty much called him out. I was at like thirty eight hundred, and uh, yeah. So um, into duck season, I actually got the lead back um, in like November, and I got up by like a couple hundred. And then he passed me up again. Um, and then turkey season, it's really hard to compete with Nebraska turkey season. Um, where they just they have gobblers all over the place, um, and he just he just started gaining. So he got up. I think it was four hundred and fifty. Um, and then with a month left before before the change, um, I reversed it on him and, and took the lead. So, uh, yeah. If you ever been to the dog tracks, there's always those dogs that you want to run the longer dog races because they're good finishers. That that's like you, Matt. Matt is like out of the gates, and then you're that dog that comes out of nowhere <laughs> at the end to win biases by like three three lengths. I mean, that was impressive. That was impressive. Yeah. So um, it was exciting. It was just a, I mean, kind of a a fun thing. Really, all in good fun. Um, now it's not anymore after he called me on Discord again. So now it's uh, <laughs> I'm out for blood. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But I, that that pretty much covers the YouTube stuff. So, yeah, I guess um, you got anything else you want to you want to say before we go ahead and jump into the main meat of the podcast tonight? Yeah, let's do this after after we get done with this. Let's go to Fellowship of the Duck Guns, which is our Facebook group. Which is we're getting close to three thousand <clears throat> people over there, and let's put up a thread of your top three bucket list states in order. And kind of see what everyone says. So if you want to um, come join us over at Fellowship of the Duck Guns, man, I'm telling you, that's a it's it's my go to um, social media duck forum. Honestly, it's my it's my go to. I don't really check in on hardcore. I don't do the forums. I 
I don't even really go to freelance duck hunting as much on Facebook. It, it's like, it, cause there's just so many conversations going on in fellowship of the duck gun. So come join us for that. And we're going to put up that um, little post of your three favorite um, bucket list States in order. And that'll be interesting to see what people say. I bet you the timber of Arkansas is like yeah, way up there for people. Yeah, no, definitely be interesting. You say, and it, it is cool kind of seeing this uh, community, um, growing over there, Fellowship the Duck Gun, and I'll, I'll say that the cool thing about it is there's not a lot of crap that you see on um, some of the other waterfowl forums. Um, you know, it's we, I mean, it's smaller, tight knit, and um, you know, just a bunch of good dudes that love uh, duck hunting over there. So uh, definitely a cool place to be. So, what did you think about that really juicy thread about other YouTube um, waterfowlers? Uh, that was definitely a, talked about that. That was definitely a, a hot button topic in there. And, uh, you know, it got some, it got some people going for sure. It was, it was super interesting. I thought, um, it was really, really interesting to see. And it was very civil conversation both ways. There really wasn't any, um, anything, any negativity towards it, but it was, a, I thought that was a fascinating, I wasn't going to even comment on it until Thomas did. And then I felt. Cause I'm the one that brought that video over to begin with. <laughs> I was kind of regretting that a little bit. Then Thomas was just so articulate and level headed in his analysis that I was like, okay, all right, I'm going to give in some of my thoughts on it, but that was fascinating. Yeah. Oh yeah. I definitely agree with you on that. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, it's definitely, uh, it's like you said, it was civil both ways and, um, you know, you talk about it was kind of some people talking about entertainment value versus um, kind of, uh, you know, bringing the next generation up and waterfowling and and the right way to do it and mm-hmm. all that. So, you know, there is kind of both ends of that kind of uh, through the thread on that one. But like you said, it's definitely a juicy one. Yeah. Fellowship of the Duck comes. Come join us. Awesome. All right, fellas, let's go ahead and jump into the podcast. we got Tom, so we're going to bring him over on the phone, um, and yeah, let's go ahead and get into it. But first, let's have a quick word from our partners. So first off, I'd like to thank our newest partner for the podcast, um, Onyx. And guys, we're definitely both super excited about getting these guys on for partner of the podcast. Um, I've been a big Onyx user for a while, um, you know, from dropping pins to finding property lines and and who owns property. So if you guys follow the YouTube channel, you guys saw my opening day dove hunt. And honestly, Onyx was the MVP there because I was driving by a field um, on my way somewhere else, and I see all these doves sitting there on the power line on a freshly cut silage field, and I was able to quickly pull up Onyx, um, tap right on there, and it gives you the tax information for the owner. So I was able to go find the owner of the field and get permission literally the night before the hunt and in the morning uh, we were shooting, shooting limits of Dove. So uh, definitely MVP on that. Um, so definitely check out Onyx. Guys, you can find them on a website if you're doing it PC, uh, onyxmaps.com. Um, but most of you guys on your phone will be checking them out through the app, you know, Apple Store or uh, Google Google Store, whatever Android people use. I don't even know. but <laughs> And you can find the Onyx app there. Um, so definitely check those guys out. Uh, a big, big shout out to them. All right, I'm going to talk to you guys about HTR Innovations and a product that I got to use this weekend on my solo hunt for the first time. And, well, it's a new and improved. It's the uh, Layout Lounge. And I had the original version, and, man, I've talked about that 
product so many times. But this one is a new and improved version of it. It's a little shorter, a little thinner down by the legs, and it actually folds up and snaps. And the great thing about this product, if you are a layout boat hunter, or if you're a field hunter that has a layout blind, this is what you want down in that cockpit of your kayak or your layout boat, down in that cockpit of your field layout blind, because it is so comfortable and it actually is somewhat adjustable. So that if you want to sit up and have your lunch, you can sit up tall. Or if you're teal hunting, as we sit up tall, if you're hunting mallards, you can back it down low and lay flat. I just rave about this product because never again, and I haven't in the past, I don't know, three years, will I get into that kayak during a, during a waterfowl hunt where I don't have an HTR layout lounge. So um, you can see this in, in my videos or you can just you know go over to htrinnovations.com um, and check that product out. Promo code is DuckGun10, 10% off and free shipping. They've got other products over there too, but I just can't stop talking about that one. <laughs> awesome. Also, we'd like to thank Gunner Kennels, American-made dog box. It's double-wall roto-molded, five-star crash test rating. Um, it's perfect for trips, and I'm getting into that part of my season where I'm doing the chasing the opener tour, and you know it gives me peace of mind having Chief in the back of the truck, and he's out there in the Gunner Kennel um, and safe and sound. We put a lot of time and investment into our dogs, um, and we don't want nothing to happen to our Hunting companion, man's best friend. So he's riding out there in the in the tank of dog kennels, um, and it's a, it's really a once in a, a once per lifetime um, purchase on these because these things are built to last. Uh, use code DuckGun10, DuckGun Space10 for checkout or for ten percent off at checkout on your next order of Gunner kennels. Hi right, guys, if you hate jerk rigs because they're always under your feet and sucks to put them out and it sucks to wrap them back up and your dog's getting tangled in them, but you want that motion, you need to get the motion duck decoy spreader system. In fact, the next podcast we record after this, we are having Tom on who's the owner, one of the owners of motion duck decoys. We're going to talk all about it, but this is a fantastic system. It, it, it is way better than your jerk rig. Um, you can do a four or a seven duck decoy spreader. It's got lifelike motion. Sets up and puts away in seconds. You're not going to have any tangle issue. And it just looks like a flock instead of a straight line. It's just so superior to a jerk rig. It's absolutely superior to that. The product code is um, no spaces, duck gun 2020 for 10% off free shipping and a free anchor bag. Um, if, you, if you're not sure about what I'm talking about, just get on and, at Google and, and search motion duck decoy spreader and take a look at some of those videos and you'll be heading right to that website. Um, and, and picking yourself one up. What I think it's motionducks.com. Isn't that correct, Jordan? Yep. Okay. Also like to give a big thanks out to Bandit, Avery, and Greenhead Gear. Um, and Elliot and I have been using their products for the last year. Uh, definitely uh, excited about having them on as a partner. Um, you know, one of my favorite products for them is the Hard Shell Backpack. Uh, you know, I had never really used a backpack for my decoy or not decoy, but blind bag up until then, but there's no going back for me on that. Um, it's got a upper compartment and a lower compartment, um, you know, lots of side pockets and just, just a really great way to organize your gear. Not only that, but wearing the backpack, it's so much easier to haul in everything we need. And we, you know, Elliot and I, we both need a lot of stuff. Maybe we don't need, but <laughs> we bring it. Want. Um, we want a lot of stuff. I actually did my blind bag uh review video or blind not review video blind bag dump video whatever you want to call it uh, over on youtube and one of the comments was 
Um, somebody said that I wasn't hauling all that crap out there. And I'm like, well, yeah, I am. And, you know, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> having that backpack is, you know, key to that, um, you know, getting, getting the more space. So definitely check out all the gear they have over there. Bandit Avery Greenhead gear. Um, and you can find all of their stuff over at banded.com. And did you did you have your cameras in that as well, or do you have a separate bag for your cameras and stuff? <laughs> I use a separate bag for the cameras at this point. Yeah, yeah. I I love that little banded bag. I don't know what the name of it is. I don't know if you have one or not, but there's a little banded bag that is just perfect for all my camera stuff. I put three cameras in it at all, but it's small. I I, I need to – next time we do it, I need to get and see what the name of that pack is because it is fantastic for all camera kind of stuff. A finisher, guys. It is a fantastic little tool. It is just what it says for finishing your cripple bird. There's so many people that just don't quite properly know how to efficiently um, dispatch of a bird. And this finisher just takes care of that. You can just put it right on your lanyard. You get a bird, just a little insert, and it's over quick and fast. We need to respect the game that we harvest and dispatch them quickly, and this is the best way to do it. The website is adrenal-line.com. The product code is duckgun15. It's just a fantastic little product. If you haven't heard of it, you haven't seen it, look into it. It's certainly something to have on your lanyard. Awesome. All right, let's go ahead and jump into um, today's podcast. What's going on, folks? I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. I got my co-host alongside me, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, and our guest for tonight is Tom Hardenbeck, and he is the owner and creator of Motion Ducks. So how are you doing tonight, Tom? Very good. How you be? Doing good. Can't complain. We're good. just starting to get into season, so uh, um, it's the, the time of year that uh, all duck hunters love. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and it's even starting to rain out here, so that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw that you guys are getting a, a nice weather system out there, and um, probably long due, especially with um, some of the, the craziness that's going on out there in the West Coast. Oh, it's changing everything. It's terrible. But the rains, in the, at least in Washington, have saved us. Most of our fires are pretty much over now. But Oregon and California are still suffering. But, yeah, it's been a, it's been a terrible last couple of weeks. Mm. Yikes. Lots of lots of we were we were uh, we had so much smoke we could hardly breathe for a week. It yeah, it was bad. That's yeah, that's just crazy, almost unfathomable. Um, I feel like all right. the way over here in Indiana and in Elliott and Kansas, you know, um, we're a little little disconnected from all that. We see that on the news, and you know, it's definitely terrible, like you said. But I mean, you guys are living it with the fires, and and you know, it's crazy to hear that the smoke is so bad in your area that you you couldn't. Uh, hardly breathe so <laughs> yeah yeah it, it was something it's quite it's quite an experience awesome well we're, we're glad that we're on the fires um being being i live in kansas and you know ever since i was a kid it just seems like every single year there's fires on the west coast <clears throat> what is it that causes the fires and, and I, I don't understand why you don't hear about them in colorado or or these other places it's always like you know, Washington, California, what is it that has caused these causes all these fires? Well, it's a little controversial right now, but the truth of it is, um, these three states, California, Oregon, and Washington, they outlawed thinning 
And uh, the last several years, they've not allowed the loggers to go in and thin the woods. And there's so much dry material that once the lightning hits, uh, boy, it strikes it up. And then the problem in the fall, early fall like this, is the wind. So once the winds hit that, boy, you just cannot stop. And there's just so much dry downfall and the dried leaves from and the, the old branches and stuff it just is kindling and it ignites and they just the wind comes up and they just cannot get it under control and then we've been having these you know our listen in washington if if you have a weather change happening we get good weather <laughs> we get hot weather so we've been having a a spectacular um Late summer, just 80s and 90s, and boy, when that gets hot, those the forests are dry. Mm. The forests are dry, so the combination of a dry forest and wind, plus the outlawing of uh, thinning the the trees, it's a bad combination. Mm. But you're right; it's getting every year, every year. It's getting terrible. It, it's just getting worse and worse. Yeah, hopefully uh, long-term they can figure out a solution because it doesn't seem like uh, the current solution doesn't seem like it's working out too well. No, no, absolutely not. It's devastating. Just, yeah, yeah it's terrible. And But it's a lot of lightning, a lot of lightning strikes. I guess some of, a, some of it was uh, happened other ways, but, uh, boy, the lightning comes and the storms come and hits that dry killing and off it goes. That's yeah, terrible. Yeah. But not anymore, uh, boy. We are in a rainstorm. <laughs> awesome. I would assume that that is a natural cycle of that area. The fires living in Kansas, you know, on the on the prairie, the prairie fires are just a natural cycle. Well, they were a natural cycle, and now ranchers and farmers they'll go out and do a burn every year because it's just it's part of keeping the growth on its natural cycle. And I would assume that where you're at, those types of fires are just a part of the part of supposed to be part of the natural cycle as well. I would agree. The problem of it is that people are moving out uh, further out and further out. So now they're inhabiting, you know, out in the places where it used to just be timber. So now you're running into habitation, which is normally, uh, you know, no one's there, but people are moving out there and, so now the fire is coming, but I agree. There's certainly a natural burn-off that is required. Certainly good for the animals. All righty. Well, let's, let's change gears a little bit, and uh, we'll, we'll head over to the hunting side of it a little bit. And, um, you know, uh, I guess before we get into that, you know, let us let us know a little bit about you and, and kind of how you got started into waterfowl hunting. Um, well, my dad. Uh, I have three brothers. And my dad was just an outdoorsman, and he just wanted to introduce us to all the opportunities outdoors, uh, hunting of all kinds. And uh, he loved to go duck hunting, and he would take us several times a year. And that kind of got me started in junior high and, and high school. Uh, after high school, kind of was on my own, doing my own thing for quite a while. But when I ended up getting married. I thought, I'm going to raise my kids, introducing them to the outdoors. 
And the thing that I love about duck hunting, um, I'm an archer guy, uh, so I love archery, but the thing that I've always loved about duck hunting is it's such a social, it's that you can interact and you don't have to whisper all the time and you don't have to be quiet and you can tease one another and laugh because you miss that duck or that goose. And <laughs> so I wanted to raise my, I wanted to raise my kids out in that social environment that was so fun. Um, and then the kids fell in love with it and we would go and, and that's kind of how my history. And I think that's why I'm back to much more than I used to be because now I've got lots of grandkids I'm trying to introduce it to because we can just, you know, you can cook your little food and make some hot chocolate if you want. You can laugh and tease one another. And and yep. it's, it's just a great social interaction in the blind. I love it. Awesome. It is. Well, we definitely, uh, we, we definitely can tell that you were uh, successful at that. We had uh, um, been on, on the podcast last year. Um, so definitely uh, <laughs> looks like your, your plan of introducing your kids and, and so on has, has been successful. Um, and not yeah, only that, yeah. but, uh, it seems like you guys have a great, uh, waterfowl state out there, you know, to, to kind of, um, bring up family and, and, uh, have that, that social event. So, uh, I mean, where would you put Washington as far as, you know, kind of on the waterfowl scale? <laughs> well, I actually, I think it's fabulous. Um, I think it's just absolutely fabulous. It. You know, we've got the same thing going on a lot of places do, and that is, you know, when the weather, you've got your local hunt, your local birds, and that lasts uh, maybe three weeks a month at the most. They've been they've been shot at a lot, and they get a little bit weary, and then you're kind of waiting for the northerns to come down. Mm-hmm. And when and when the northerns start, it just picks up, and it can be absolutely phenomenal. Um, obviously all of it's depending on weather and that's kind of the mystery because the weathers are changing so much, but, you know, I talked to a lot of guys that, um, that are amazed that if I don't shoot my limit, they, if I don't shoot my limit every time I go out, I'm shocked and they are shocked that I'm shocked because they usually get one or two birds and man, that's not the way it is out here. <laughs> there's, wow. there's a lot of birds. Awesome. A lot of birds. Making me, uh, making me a little jealous. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know anything about the migration cycles in Washington. Um, if you could answer a couple questions, do, do ducks, um, nest in Washington and what kind of what, what are the peak months there and birds that come through, um, Washington, where, what's the farthest South they will end up? Where's their end destination? Well, all the birds, um, moving from Canada down South are moving through Washington, moving to Oregon. They're headed to actually Yuba city, California. That's the, everything in Yuba city, the Northern Sacramento area, it's all rice fields and hundreds of thousands, millions of ducks are all headed down there. That's where they winter. And so you can get them coming through uh, November. And I hesitate on my on my timing of this because it's always so different. It just kind of depends on what happens with the, the weather. If the weather comes cold up north early, 
the birds will come early last year it it didn't get cold up north and they came late and the birds really didn't arrive until probably mid-december if that so it's certainly subject but it's certainly the flyaway from canada all the way down to yuba city california and um and a lot of birds can come through a lot of birds can come through if you're now the problem of it is if if we get a cold snap and we get snow and the snow covers the corn or the feed uh the birds won't stay long and then they just get up hit the flyaway and head to Oregon so you can they, you they can won't get, come back until um the spring or do they reverse migrate on on warm weather Yeah they yeah they they come yeah you're exactly right they head back up north and you never see them again. I mean, they might turn around a little bit, but not much. Pretty much, if they hit the, you know, they got to have feed, obviously. If the feed is coming with three, four. Usually they say if the feed, if there's uh, six inches of snow on the corn stubble, they'll uh, move on. Yeah. So, and yeah, same the corn, the corn uh, for us is in our eastern Washington. In the west, um, there's, there, where I live, I live about an hour out of Seattle up against the Cascade Mountains. And, um, you know, the birds can hang around here a lot longer because the water doesn't freeze. Um, but they still, when they're, they're up and looking for food, the eastern part of the state is all the corn, all the wheat fields, and that's where they want to go get the abundance of food. But, so if, if the snow's not there and they, they, they can hang around for a month, month and a half, it can be fabulous. But but the timing of that is all weather related, all weather related. Mm-hmm. So with uh, the with, uh, um, agriculture you got there kind of on the east side of the state, uh, would you say, um, you know, I guess what, what percentage of, of your hunts are filled versus water hunts? Well, there's an awful lot of, there's an awful lot of both. Um, you know, I, I would probably have to say this, the real successful guides are in the corn, in the wheat, in the corn mostly, um, because of the food supply. You know, the problem with the water is, um, it can freeze on you so easy. Mm-hmm. And in the corn, you can still, they'll still come because the feed can be abundant. But um, that's the timing that we have is how and when does the water freeze. And it can freeze in a couple of weeks. And then, uh, you know, your little ponds dry up first. And that's really a shame because those are the fun ones. <laughs> and then you get on your big bodies of water. And the ducks, uh, you know, they'll come and there'll be uh, hundreds of thousands of ducks, but they're going to be out in the middle of the lake and they will, unless a storm comes, they'll stay there. They won't come inland. They, they feed, they come out to the middle of the lake, stay there all day long and head back right at evening. So it can make hunting really hard for your guys that are used to hunting the water. So I would probably say the, the guys in the corner are doing the best. But that's kind of hard for the public hunter, the public land hunter, Mm -hmm. because that's all lease land and the guides have it all sewed up. And so it's kind of, it's, it's a, it's a weather related thing. Does, does Washington have uh, a very good opportunities for the public land hunters 
Yeah, yeah. It takes a little research, but there is certainly uh, lots of opportunity, lots of public land. Mm. Yeah, there really is. There really is. You know, of course, everybody wants the the hot spots, you know, the corn. But a lot of that corn land, all the farmers have leased it out. That's usually gone pretty early. But there's still, you know, I, I, public land hunting is very good. On the West Coast here, it's just fabulous because there's so much coastal water. Oh, yeah. And there's lots of public places. Um, so kind of kind of hitting on that, and that definitely interests me. But uh, uh, with with the coastal hunting, do you guys have like coastal marshes or, or what kind of uh, uh, terrain are you guys hunting out there? Um, yeah, yeah. Tidal water mostly. Um, you know, you can get into your marshes and stuff. Uh, you know, your back eddies on all the rivers, they, they hold a lot of ducks. But uh, I've been the last couple of years because of motion ducks and how well it works in tidal water. Um, I've been doing that and it's just been fabulous. So um, the, the tidal hunts are good. Very good, and um, the you know the little ponds around here, and all the back eddies and the stuff like that. You know, nothing really freezes until January, and hunting's over by then. So it keeps our hunting pretty much pretty much alive the whole year. Now, <laughs> I, I do notice about oh about the fifth of January, all the the northerns have moved out and they're moving south, um, but. But it can still be very good. And about the time, you know, we're doing these sportsman shows now, and they start in January. And so we're doing the Oregon sportsman shows, the California shows. And when I'm talking to duck hunters there, they're just saying, it's happening, man. It's happening now <laughs> because <laughs> the birds are coming through in January because it might be a late cold up north. Mm. Man, but it sounds but like... the West Coast has ponds. It sounds like you got you got your uh, your ducks in a row on all that because uh, I mean you picked out a very specific date January fifth so um, <laughs> sounds like you got some uh, to, some data to call back on for for picking that date. Yeah, I have to because I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I got to write it down. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, uh, are you guys close to your season coming in? Yeah, just two weeks away. Uh, it opens for four days, and then it shuts down from four to five, and then it reopens for the whole year. You guys got any so, uh, big plans for opener? Oh, yeah, sure. I'm taking my two sons and one, two, three, four, five grandkids. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What so, are the ages of the grandkids? Uh, the youngest one is going to be six, and the oldest one's eight. And the oh, uh, two of them, oh, well, one one is one is just getting his license. The other one have BB guns, and they shoot the decoys in the blind. <laughs> <laughs> and they they really they really like to hear that BB hit that decoy. <laughs> I bet they do. I, I, my my son, I think he was probably five or six. One of the first times I took him out. And I brought a BB gun with him and we had a flock come in and he shot with the BB gun. He's like, did I get it? Did I get it? And he just like kept hounding me about whether he could kill a duck with his BB gun or not. And finally I told him, I said, well, son, you know, it's really more practice. You can't kill anything with that BB gun. He put that gun down and he did not pick it up again. 
And so um, <laughs> I, I finally, I finally was like, no, look, look, listen. It's like you're punching the duck in the face. It's like you're just punching him in the face, you know. And so he got more excited about that. And he kept talking <laughs> about it year after year. He kept, remember that time I hit that duck in the face with the BB? And finally, it got like five, six years later, I had to say, son, listen, I, I just said that. <laughs> he didn't actually hit the duck in the face with the BB. And he felt so upset that I had lied to him about that. <laughs> uh, well, you, we let them shoot first, right? And they then the duck falls. They say, Grandpa, I got it. I caught it, so I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so with your, yeah, we'll uh, do do real well with with your oldest grand uh, grandson that's uh, eight years old going out with you. Um, what kind of what kind of setup do you got for him as far as like um, uh, is he shooting like a four ten or, or what? What do you got for him? He's got a twenty gauge pump. Awesome, and um, he just. He, in fact, I took him out last year. It was his first year, and uh, he got his limit with me. Oh, wow. And I, I really, I did not. Now, now, he said he got an awful lot of the ones I hit, but basically <laughs> yeah. he did get his limit. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just fabulous. Just, But he's got the 20, little 20-gauge 20 pump, and he started with a 410, but, you know, not much of a – not much impact there. So his dad got him a 410 pump. I mean, a, a 20 gauge pump. And now he thinks he's ready for 12. You know how it is. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But great. He's yeah. Just, and you know, again, because it's so interactive, we're laughing and slugging one another. And he's, he's saying, or I'll say, okay, here they come. Hank here. His name's Hank. And he'll, He'll start shooting when they're like 80 yards away. He's so excited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what kind of uh, um, blind and everything you have kind of a house um, that many hunters? Because that's a you know pretty big party. Yeah. Well, Motion Ducks is actually, actually developing a blind. And so we're prototyping a blind that we have are working on that is just a – it's a portable – um, you know, it's a V shape, so you can stretch it out. And, uh, it was designed to, to, um, take about four. So we take two of them and then have, you know, through the years discovered, if you don't have a top, you sure get exposed looking up a lot. So it's got this little canopy on it. Hmm. And, awesome. uh, we mostly, mostly put the kids behind it. We might sit on the outskirts because, you know, they're yelling and screaming. They're saying, here comes some ducks with some <laughs> quiet whisper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, it, we, we're just kind of prototyping and trying a couple things we hope to have on the market in the next year or two. So, um, lots of, lots of, uh, lots of, um, we'll just say good cover. It's so <laughs> hugely important. Yeah. yeah uh, definitely so we spit. cover ourselves good. Definitely, especially with those kiddos, I'm sure. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Awesome. Well, I think that kind of brings us to a good point to, uh, you know, um, transition um, and talk about the motion duck decoy spreader. So, um, you know, Elliot and I have been using it for the last year and definitely big big fans of it and, you know, definitely could see the benefits and success we've had um, using it this season. So you want to go ahead and, um, and talk to us about the motion duck uh, spreader? 
Well, I tell you, I think the thing that I have loved the most about it is, you know, I don't think there's any duck hunter in the world that likes a decoy bag. <laughs> and I have, you know, or you, or you know, the tangled mess that your decoy bag is in at three thirty in the morning, and then unwrapping each decoy with an anchor line and all of that stuff, and the um, the simplicity of motion ducks. I love that. I love uh, the ability to be able to make sure that none of those decoys touch one another. And obviously, duck hunters know that motion is the most important thing. So I love to create the motion. And if that that goofy little spreader is doing all that stuff. And it's just kind of brought the joy back to hunting because it's simple, easy, but very, very effective. And we're trying all kinds of things with it that, uh, in fact, here, let me, let me give you a thing that, that we don't sell because everybody has them, but this has been a fabulous thing we did last year. And that is instead of the, the pull line, you know, it's a, it's a jerk cord. Mm -hmm. So you're using a line and you're pulling your spreader and your spreaders. The ultimate, we call it has seven decoys on it and they're all separated by about four or five feet and they're all moving. But what I did was I hooked up a dog lead, a dog walker, and use the, uh, the the big dog walker, the 19-footer on it. So I pull my, my cord tight until my bungee, which I'm working against a bungee on an anchor. So I don't know if we can picture it, but the anchor's out yeah. there. And then there's a bungee hooked to the spreader. So I hook up two – I hook about 10 feet of bungee onto the anchor. And in my blind, I'll pull that bungee. It'll stretch about 25 feet. And I hook it in my line to a dog walker. So I still use it like a, a spreader. I mean, like a, a jerk cord. But when the ducks come, I hit that dog walker. Oh my goodness. And all seven of those decoys <laughs> swim 20. I, I measured it. 24 <laughs> feet. They'll swim back on their own. That's hilarious. And they just swim back and I can drop that dog walker and my hands are free to shoot. Oh my goodness. So it has been just so much fun to discover <laughs> the dog walker. <laughs> that's hilarious. I'm definitely going to try that. That is. Oh, you got to try it. That's you, it. It works so phenomenal. You know how your, your every jerk cord hunter spreader guy uh, gets tired of that. You let go of the handle and it goes through your blind or blasts out of the boat. But this <laughs> thing just drops and that old line, those old ducks just swim all the way back on their own to the slack bungee. <laughs> that is, that's hilarious. I'm, I'm serious. I'm going to try that. As soon as we get off this podcast, I'm getting on Amazon and, and finding a dog yeah. walker to add to mine. That's a, oh, no, man. you have to, but make sure you don't get the small dog. Cause you can get an eight footer. That's for your small dog, but the the sixteen footer to twenty footer, because you're going to use all of that. Okay. Because you're going to stretch that bungee tight, and then now what's happening is they're turning those dog walkers. They got straps on them instead of string. Mm. So make sure you don't get a strap one. Make sure you get a string one because that's just a a string, and then it comes white, and I just you know soaked it in paint and. But you let go and take the tension off of that, and those those decoys swim all the way back on their own. That's hilarious. Yeah, it, 
it's just beautiful. It's just <laughs> absolutely been beautiful. So fun. Another guy that I talked to about, he loves it. He has a pond that he hunts and he put it on, um, you know, a clothesline. Mm-hmm. So he put a pulley on the opposite side of the, the pond and he just made a loop, like a clothesline loop. Hooked up, he's got, I think he's got three or four spreaders, so he's got 13 decoys. And he just swims them across his pond and then swims them back (laughs) because there's no anchors on the decoys anymore, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're not bound, you're not bound anymore by anchors and these decoys swim freely. He just, he just clotheslines them across the pond and then clotheslines them back and he just has them out there swimming all (laughs) over the pond. So so here's a question for you on. On the strategy of that. So you, you say they, they, they swim back 25 yards. Um, so do you yeah. start with your 25 ducks? Feet. 25 Yeah, 25 feet. Um, so do you start with your ducks, you know, kind of to the side and then move them like, I guess as far as like, what are you doing for your landing zone with all that going on? You know, I have absolutely forgotten about a landing zone. <laughs> I don't need, I don't even need to think about a landing zone anymore because the ducks are just dumping right on top of it. They're not, now I'm not, and I'm not using any other decoys. So I, I just am creating motion and the ducks are just landing all over this thing. So do you, uh, now do you run more than seven? Like as far as your, uh, oh, excuse me, do you, do you run more than, uh, the ultimate spreader? You, you run in one or two or, or what are you doing on that? Well, early in the season, with all of what we call out here the dumb birds, the young birds, um, you know, there you're using a lot more decoys because they just like to see other ducks and like to land on them. But as the ducks get more mature or the season goes on or the mature birds start coming from the north, they have seen everything. And so they're really what we would call uh, shy um, and when, when I'd say from December 15th on, we're only using seven decoys and not calling very much. No more, no more mojos, no more wind ducks. Cause they have seen it. They flare really bad on them, but motion, they don't flare. And if, if there's one thing that is beautiful about, uh, motion ducks on the West coast, our reputation is. We are fooling the mature birds, but we're doing that by just using seven in motion. Mm. So as the season goes on, we're using less and less decoys and we're not, I, I know it's hard to say to a duck hunter, but we're not really calling very much either anymore mm. um, because our motion is so realistic that uh, less calling, uh, no no mojos, no flippers, no windex, just pure motion. Now, I love to, the other beautiful thing about it is, is I can add one more spreader and make that 13 decoys. Or I could add another spreader and make it 16 decoys and put a arm out. Uh, by that, I don't know if that translates on the radio too well, but I can hook up a spreader to the outside of the spread so I'm just, kind of have a big old L looking thing. So I'm having fun trying all kinds of different things, uh, but every decor is in motion. And I think that's the difference. Every decor is in motion and I can swim them. 
like, you know, using the dog walker, or I can barely pull it, just getting him to pivot because each decoy will pivot 360 degrees. So I can do a slow pivot where they look relaxed and calm, or I can swim them across a, a lake or pond. So I can do so many things that it's just uh, creating a, a safe place, you know, a, a safe place. Because awesome. ducks are looking, they've been shot at all the way down and they're looking for a safe place to land. And I like to think that how do I create a safe place for them to land on? And lo and behold, I'm in the bushes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, so, uh, you know, uh, on that, that strategy, I'm, I'm super interested in this idea. So, um, with that dog walker and the, the bungee, uh, I mean the bungee that comes with the motion ducks, it's a, it's not quite. Um, long enough for that. So you got to have like an additional bungee piece to kind of uh, mess around with that, right? <laughs> well, if, if you buy the ultimate, which is you can do, you can pull two fours. It's designed to be two complete sets. Mm-hmm. Or you can combine the two. What I always do is I take the five foot bungee off of the other handle okay. and join it to the five foot bungee on the other. So I have 10 foot. There you go. Yep. Cool. Yeah. So just take that other bungee or get yourself a week. You can buy it from us, but um, play around with the lengths that you like. But that if you get the ultimate, you hook the two bungees together. And okay. that's what I do. I, awesome. I just use that's about 10 feet. And I, I literally measured it. It stretches 24 feet. Yep. And just to just to kind of to hit on what you're saying, it, it does look super lifelike, and and we kind of hit it up in the in the beginning of the podcast when we talk about motion ducks. But uh, um, you know, if you if you guys are just listening to the podcast, listening to motion ducks, I mean, it does a whole world of difference to actually see it with your own two eyes. So Elliot and I both have videos up on our channel. Just Google it or YouTube it, and you'll find it somewhere. But um, it really does have super lifelike motion. But um, I guess that pr- kind of brings us to a good point um, for listeners who are unfamiliar with the the motion duck decoy spreader. Do you want to kind of explain, um, you know, exactly the, what the the product is in detail? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give it the best shot. It is you're absolutely right. It is really kind of hard to explain uh, without seeing it. But basically, what it is, it's a uh, it's um, it separates your decoys by about five feet. And the beautiful part about that is that means that each decoy can never touch one another or never tangle, which is usually a problem with jerk cords. There's a lot of jerk cords out there are tangled mess or uh, the decoys touch one another. The spreader is so designed that each decoy um, is separated and the spreader is designed so you can add another spreader to it. But every time you add another spreader, which separates these decoys, um, those decoys can't touch the other decoys. So actually, I have put uh, 10 spreaders together, (laughs) which is 30 decoys, which is about a 30 by 60 feet spread of decoys. And I can pull it with one jerk cord. So I can pull it with one handle and all 30 decoys are in motion. Um, but they can never touch or tangle. Um, that's about all I know how to describe it because it's like a big cross 
Well, see, see now, it, now it gets kind of interesting to describe. <laughs> Can you describe it on the air? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's no, hard. I, I, yeah, it definitely is. I think my best way of describing it would be: it's got uh, these arms and a central hub, and all the the arms stick into the central hub and push the decoys out, like you said, uh, five feet apart in each direction. Um, and you can connect them on to multiple hubs. And every time you connect it on a hub, you take off a decoy good. Very good. and connect it to the hub and then just keep continuing that. Um, if you want to add more, I've only used just the ultimate, which is the two spreaders, um, uh, put together, which has your seven decoys. You take one off, um, so you can connect it to the other hub and, and then you're, you're golden on that. So, um, but it's like the way that me and Elliot like to describe it, um, is we, we call it a jerk rig on steroids. So, um, <laughs> So it, yeah, it, very good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah you did I, I want to add about uh, add about this um, piece of equipment that, and you you touched on it. One of the even if it wasn't better than a traditional jerk rig to how it looks, which it is, but even if it wasn't, the whole thing of the it not being tangle is. I mean, I stopped using jerk rigs because we, we, we've got dogs and the dogs are always tangled in them. They're a tangled mess and breaking them up and putting them out is an absolute headache, especially for us. Like we do a lot of, um, moving our spread 50 yards this way, 50 yards that way if we need to. And when you're dealing with a traditional jerk rig, it just slows you down. It's always tangled. This decoy spreader is you snap it apart. It goes right over your shoulder and like I said, yep. even if the even if this was just as good as a traditional jerk rig, just the fact of how easy it is to set up and break down would be worth every single penny. But the way it sets, it's it's not a it's not a straight line. It it looks actually realistic. So, man, I, I mean, when I started using it, I mean, a lot of products, they you know they look good you know on TV or on YouTube or whatever, and then you get them in your hand, it's a little different deal. But but this product is is not that way. It's it's just better. It's better than a jerk rig, and about every single aspect of it is better than a traditional jerk rig for for sure. I'm so glad you said that because I think that's been one of the keys to my success in the last several years, and that is I am watching where the ducks are, and I. You know, you're setting up in the dark. You don't know the pattern of the ducks. You don't know the duck hunters. You don't know the boat traffic. You don't know all that until the first hour. And then you're watching. And if if the ducks are on my right 200 yards or 100 yards, I never used to move. But now I can pull that thing in in five minutes, throw it on my shoulder, walk down, set it up in five minutes. And I have limited so many times because I'm mobile. You're absolutely right. I love the mobility of it. And you go where the ducks are. But most people, I always ask it at the sportsman shows, I say, boys, if the ducks aren't there, do you move? And they all say the same. No way do I move. It's too much of a hassle. (laughs) And then they go home. They go home and they said they had a lousy hunt. But, boy, if you can move where the ducks are and set up and tear down quickly, oh, I love that aspect. I'm, I'm glad you discovered that. Yeah. Oh, and another thing is that, you know, I, I've got a website called Freelance Hunt Stats where we keep track of all of our statistics, then wind and variables like that. And no wind days are by far the worst days. I mean, people like to argue about sunny days versus cloudy days, but really the thing that really matters is wind. 
And so before before we started using the decoy spreader, we had started to downside our spreads with no wind and trying to get just like a traditional jerk rig through the middle and maybe a dozen decoys. Uh, but with with uh, with this system, um, and I I've, I really want to push myself to try only using this more often. But when we get the wind below five miles per hour, we certainly go to only those seven ducks to try to create to try to battle the wind problem because the, the lack of motion is with wind with no wind is just an absolute killer. And this is, it's just a great, it's a great option for, Hey, it's no wind today. We're only, we're only taking these seven. We're only taking the spreader. Um, it, it's phenomenal. Or one thing we've been doing too, is we'll use the spreader and then we have like a dozen flocked decoys. So we yeah. put the really beautiful flocked ones around the spinner because we're, we're still using the spinner. And then we'll put the motion uh, spreader in a place where their motion will still add motion to the other ducks. So we do a little bit more and make it a little prettier. But it's just an it's another it's another um, little idea in your arsenal to deal with no wind. That's that really help helps a lot. You know that you know I know this is going to sound funny to duck hunters, but actually. I love other duck hunters in my area, and I love bluebird days because I am stealing everybody's ducks. <laughs> they are. They're, they're seeing my motion, and they're seeing all these, I call them dead decoys, you know, ducks with no motion. I mean, decoys with no motion. And, but I am stealing everybody's ducks because <laughs> they're looking over and they're seeing my seven or ten, whatever. And everything's in motion, and they're just cupping up, and everyone's back at the the boat launch or wherever I see them. They said, "Oh man, what a terrible day!" And I'm just loving it. You know, these guys. We sell an awful lot of these in California. California is is notorious for sunny bluebird duck hunting. No wind. And I'm telling you, most of all the guys down there, they hide this spreader coming in, I mean, coming out of the hunts because <laughs> they're stealing all of the ducks from everybody around them because they're, they're just using seven, maybe, maybe two. They might put two, two ultimates, which would be 14 on a, a bigger size pond, but all decoys are in motion. And they're just limiting out and then they're hiding it on their way out. <laughs> because of the bluebird days they're having so much success on bluebird days awesome we have discovered that as well we we <laughs> love to go hunting on bluebird days <laughs> yeah so so one thing i want to uh kind of hit on next is and we've we've mentioned it a little bit through the podcast but the important importance of motion and the decoys yeah. and kind of um you know uh it's almost like a you know an untold checklist that that duck hunters have when birds aren't finishing and, you know, I would say the first thing um, is, you know, a lot of times one of the first things is concealment. You know, are you covered? Um, yep. You know, and then some hunters will will move their decoys around. And I'm, you know, unless something really bad, then I'm really not of the school of thought that your deep decoy p- position is usually, it's almost never um, the, the, <laughs> um, the reason you're not finishing birds. And the other thing is, is definitely the motion um, in your decoys. And so, you know, I guess let's, let's jump on that, uh, that topic here for a minute. Yeah. I, uh, I think if, if anyone's making a mistake, 
they're making a mistake uh, by not having the motion that finishes. And another thing that they're doing is, li- listen, you know, when, when I notice the birds noticing, because, boy, you can see them. They, they turn around and take a look at this thing. And I am not, I am not jerking all the way to the shot. I'm letting the motion. In fact, that's kind of why I love that dog walker thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not jerking my jerk cord. Now, if I'm very concealed, it's different. But I don't want any motion in my blind. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm letting the motion turn them. And once they turn, then I'm just letting the decoys kind of, because they'll keep turning on their own a little bit. The wake's already out there. It might be three or four feet away from the spread, but the wake is moving through the pond and they're finishing. So you got to be careful. (laughs) Definitely got to be careful. Some guys are jerking all the way to the shot. But, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, you know what we used to do? We used to throw rocks out in the pond. We used to get a two by four and slap the water, anything for motion. Mm -hmm. And so once I've got the motion on the water, uh, then I'm, I'm just getting ready for the shot. Awesome. Do you, uh, I guess, uh, do you guys hear of anybody using, using them in the timber? You know, that kind of made me think about, um, how you see a lot of Arkansas, Hunters, same thing, throwing the rocks, kicking the water. Um, but it seems like the the motion duck decoy spreader would be, you know, perfect for that scenario. Oh, oh, we have a lot. Uh, we're very, very popular uh, down south in the timber. Very popular. Uh, and they love it. And they love it for all the same reasons. Uh, you know, it's lightweight in the sense of, you know, when they're, they're not carrying the decoy bags out there anymore. But the most important thing is that motion. No, absolutely. That's kind of why we designed the decoy backpack, which carries an ultimate. Basically, if I'm carrying teal out, for example, I can maybe take two ultimates. But if I'm carrying the mallards, the oversized mallards, it's just carrying the ultimates, which is seven decoys. But the beauty of that bag is, and that's what we designed it, is they can take it off strap it to a tree and then just put their motion to the seven decoys in the timber. And it's just, it's just wonderful. <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah. We, we have a lot of people that love it down South. Awesome. So, uh, kind of, kind of talking about, um, how this whole project got started with, you know, the motion duck decoy spreader. And I was kind of curious with, um, you know, with the, the mojos not being, um, as prevalent in the Pacific coast and, and in some States, um, I'm not exactly sure on the regulations, but they're, they're somewhat banned, um, in some places, you know, did that come into play at all in, in the creation of the motion duck decoy spreader? Um, no, not really. No, the, the mojo, when it first came out, it was, uh, accepted up here for five years and then it was so deadly they outlawed it <laughs> mm. <laughs> is really what happened um, now we still have our mojos but they're on rubber bands so they're hooked up to a, a pull cord on, and the rubber band goes out so we can still get that look but it's on a jerk cord Okay. so no batteries no, no electronics of any kind but 
No, the, no, the truth of it is my son uh, didn't have anything for Christmas for old dad. <laughs> and he, he made this thing, this, this thing for decoys. And we opened it up Christmas morning and we all started to laugh because it was just so funny. But when we, when we stopped long enough to think about it, the concept was there. And that concept, uh, we started with metal. Well, actually, we started with uh, arrows. And then we started with metal rods. Then we went to metal rods. We went to all kinds of things uh, because the concept was in his original thought. And it took about a year and a half of all the, the playing around, discovering what was best, how to do it. And uh, that's where it came from. It just it came from a, a Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he, I would say he really wasn't an active duck hunter. He just had this idea, and it was great big PVC pipe, one-inch PVC pipe, but the concept was there. And so here's what happened. We, we made our first prototype, and I live on a lake up, up here, and, and we've got it out on this lake, and we're pulling the – and we're just – we're dying because it looks so real. The decoys look so <laughs> real. We were just – and this bass fisherman comes up in a bass boat and he says, I'll give you 150 bucks for that thing right now. <laughs> and we said, you would buy this? And he said, I am an avid duck hunter. He said, I thought you guys had trained ducks over <laughs> here. <laughs> and he said, that is the most lifelike thing I've ever seen in my life. And we went, what? And from that, we... We made 50 little prototypes of our first round and thought, well, I wonder if we should put this and give other duck hunters. And we sent it out on the web and they sold like in an hour and that got us started. So the motion was, but it just came, it came about as one of those things. It was just a Christmas spot. <laughs> Not a funny duck hunting story. <laughs> no, that's awesome. So, that's a, a pretty cool story for sure. <laughs> Yeah. And then it took a long time to get the right things, obviously, the learning curve on a product. So it's got, um, you know, lasting components and and how everybody uses them. And oh, yeah, but it's been a thrill because we 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 have hundreds and hundreds of testimonies. And it's so fun to read them stuff like, you know, I've been hunting a long time and I'll never go hunting without motion ducks or I love that one. It said, there's one that said, uh, motion ducks is the most realistic thing I've ever used in 40 years of duck hunting. Uh, lots of testimonies that tell us we're on the right track. So that's kind of, that's kind of fun to hear from everybody that is starting to see it. It's just, you're absolutely right. You kind of have to see it to really appreciate the lifelike motion. 100%. That's, uh, you know, that's definitely a cool story getting into it and all that. So, um, I think let's go ahead and jump to the lightning round. So I, I I gave you a little bit of a heads up on this before we started. It's quick, quick questions with quick answers and helps us get to know you a little bit better as a duck hunter. So, 
let's go ahead and jump on into it. So first off, we got what kind of gun do you shoot? Uh, Winchester. And uh, what size or what what type of shells do you hunt with? What, uh, what type of what? Uh, shells do you hunt with? Uh, usually two or threes. Um, and I'm trying all, right now. I'm trying all different kinds of shells. The ones that I like. Try to figure out what ones I like the most. So right as of today, I don't really have a favorite. Awesome. Um, do you go with do you go with the three inch, three and a half, or or two and three quarter? Um, never the three and a half, <laughs> unless I'm goose, but, uh, love the three and I'm still the old guy that uses two and three quarters a lot. Awesome. And, uh, did you say it was a 12 or 20 gauge? 12. Awesome. Um, and then for, um, do you have a preference on hunting ducks or geese? Um, oh, I'm a duck guy. Yeah, I'm a duck guy. <laughs> Do they have goose hunters? There are people who prefer goose hunting up in Washington. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Goose hunting is just fabulous. Lots of geese. Um, lot, the, the problem with that is mostly the, the successful hunters are doing corn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't have a lot of access to corn. <laughs> well, you guys heard it. Hook this guy up in Washington. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, what, what, uh, restriction are you using on your choke tube? Um, right now I'm trying different chokes. I, you know, I never used to have the luxury of, um, pulling in enough ducks to be able to experiment with all the chokes. Now that there's so many ducks landing on my spreader, I'm in the process of trying to figure out which one I like the best. So that's a hard answer right now. Awesome. Well, uh, you know, Elliot and me kind of go back and forth on that a little bit, but, um, right. we're mostly, uh, we're mostly, um, shooting the, the modified or Elliot shoots improved cylinder a lot. So, our, uh, our podcast audience won't be, won't be, uh, proud of me for admitting that for him though. <laughs> um, and then, uh, do you have a favorite terrain to hunt? Um, well, I'm, I'm a water guy and I, I really do love my little ponds and I love the mobility of being able to, to get those little ponds. Um, but I hunt the rivers, I hunt the lakes, but uh, water is my favorite, obviously because of the spreader. Awesome. Elliot, am I missing anything on the list? No, I think you got it all. Awesome. Well, um, I think that's a a pretty good place to wrap up the podcast. We really appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, tons of insight, tons of knowledge, definitely awesome hearing about um you know hunting out there on the the pacific coast and hearing about uh the awesome success you're having with the motion duck decoy spreader and real quick for our audience uh we want to let you guys know that you can use um the code duck gun 2020 and that's all one word no spaces duck gun 2020 um at checkout at checkout uh from motion ducks and that'll get you your discount over there so uh again thank you for coming on it's been a great podcast well, thank you, Jordan, for having me. And listen, don't forget the dog walker. <laughs> <laughs>
that's definitely <laughs> on, that's on my short list. I'm I'm serious. I'm gonna look it up tonight. I'm I'm telling you, you're just gonna smile when you see those ducks swim back on their own. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. Awesome. Yeah, definitely appreciate you coming on. Elliot, you got any last words before we sign off? Nope. Just appreciate you coming on here. And, man, it was just really entertaining talking to you and, and especially for this Midwest hunter to hear about the Pacific Flyway. It's just really good stuff. Wonderful. Well, anytime, be more than happy. Awesome. I guess, uh, you know, right here real quick, too, you could uh, go ahead and kind of plug uh, where we can um, – you know, where everybody can find you as far as the website and um, any social media you might want to add as well. Well, again, I think the key of understanding the uh, 21st century jerk cord <laughs> is to see it on YouTube, Facebook, but YouTube's got a lot of people showing it off. We, we are on YouTube showing all the different things you can do, but you can reach us and all of our videos are at motionducks.com. So you can see how it works in all different shapes and forms on motiondex.com. But give us a give us a look at, and I think you'll cause your duck hunting to be fun once again. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Uh, all righty, folks. Thanks everybody for tuning in for tonight. I'm Jordan Duck Gun Chronicles, Elliot Freelance Duck Hunting, and Tom from Motion Ducks, and we'll see you guys on the next one. <laughs>